Welcome to the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. I'm your host, Scott Dillingham. The goal of the show is to show you how you can grow personally, financially, have a larger net worth, and leverage your largest asset to help you develop the person you want to be. I take you through all the steps I did from being nothing to being told that I was nobody and I was never going to accomplish anything, from getting kicked out of high school to owning a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio in my own company with more than 20 employees. You'll meet our partners, you'll meet our friends, you'll quickly discover how you can improve your life. So listen in and enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode. I have a really cool guest today. His name is Scott Innocente. He worked full-time at a government job. Then he became a multi-property investor. Now he's a full-time real estate agent. So welcome to the show, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no worries. First time I've had a, another Scott on the show, oh, so it'll nice. be fun. Okay, okay. Yeah. Hopefully the last time, too. Oh. I want to be the only one. There you go. No, that's awesome. Scott, I'm very curious about how you got started. Like, what gave you the idea to go from a full-time government job to an investor? Yeah, I hear this story a lot, so I think this is going to resonate with a lot of people. But basically, I was at a job that I just felt unfulfilled at, and... 10 or 11 years in the same position where it just feels like a dead end. It had me thinking for five, six, seven years, I was thinking of ways to escape. I just, all that ever came to mind was another job. So it was like, well, I'm just, I'm going to trade this job for another job. It's going to be the same problem. And somewhere along the way, I had a friend of mine, a colleague at my old job who kept talking to me about real estate investing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, the light bulb didn't go off for me for probably a couple of years. And then one day it clicked wow, real estate is really powerful. It's more powerful than I thought. It really is the ticket to financial freedom. And once that click happened, I basically just became obsessed with real estate investing. And I started the process of getting my real estate license. And then in the meantime, bought my first couple properties and the rest is history. But it started with a, a light bulb moment, if I had to say. No, that's awesome. I know for me, it could too. I was working full time. It was really tough. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And then that opened my eyes to investing. And the one thing that I tell everybody that's a new investor is once you get that first rent check, it becomes the easiest money that you've made because oh, you just said it sit on your couch at home and the rent checks come in. So to me, it's the most addicting type of income to make because it's you do the least for. Mm-hmm. So you find that too. So that's awesome. Yeah. So now, so obviously you're, you're a multi-property investor. What was the motivation to become a realtor? Yeah. Originally, I didn't actually want to be a real estate agent. I got my license so that I could buy my own properties, access to the MLS, show properties to myself anytime I wanted. It's just a tool as an investor. Nice. And along the way, I just happened to the real estate agent I was using before I was licensed, Paul Germanis, he was starting a team up, AW4U. Along the way, I told him I was getting licensed and he said, hey, come join my team. And I was like, I don't really want to be a real estate agent. Yeah. But I knew he's a really successful agent. The team seems really cool. We get along great. Maybe I should give this thing a shot. And also it would fast track me quitting my job because now I'd have a source of income. So anyways, I, I took the leap. I joined the team all while I'm still buying real estate. Okay. And I found along the way, as I'm starting to help other people, because I, I know where I came from. I came yeah. from a government job and I started hearing the same story from clients and customers over and over again. They're yeah. thinking the exact same thing as I was thinking. Yep. And they're looking up to me because I actually did it. I actually left my 11 year government job with a pension and a hundred K salary and 
the golden handcuffs, as we sometimes call it. Yeah. So I really resonated with other people and they resonated with me and helping people do what I did is now become a passion of mine. And that's awesome. Very fulfilling, very rewarding. No, that's awesome. So is there anything mindset related that you had to go through to make that transition or you just instantly knew I want to be an investor? That's a very good question. So a couple of mindsets come to mind. Number one is fear. Yeah. And I want to let people know that fear can be packaged in a lot of different forms. It can be packaged in the market's going to crash. It can be okay. packaged in, I'm not going to get good tenants. It's It can be packaged in trying to time the market or predicting black swan events. Or I, I know that this is going to happen in the next year. They're going to raise interest rates and then I'll buy. Yep. But it's really fear putting itself into a form that makes you feel good about yourself for not doing anything. Uh, that's a big one. And then number two would be analysis paralysis, which is something that I suffered from when I started. Okay. which is thinking that I needed to learn more and watch more of YouTube videos and listen to more podcasts That's and go it. on more forums and read more books and learn more strategies. And I actually wasted a good year and a half to two years doing that. And in that time, I actually made no moves. Okay. So I want to tell people, especially beginners out there, Michael Jordan didn't become a good basketball player by reading books. Okay. He became a good basketball player by getting it in the game over and over again and taking those shots, those big shots over and over against good competition. Yeah. So you only need a very baseline level of knowledge for really anything in life. And the real knowledge is going to come from doing and yeah. stop. Don't waste a year or two like I did. And maybe you're the same way, Scott. I don't know, but yeah. with the analysis paralysis. I didn't. I was forced into it. I did. I took a rich dad, poor dad course. There was two of them. I did wholesaling and I did rent to owns. What I did was I found a wholesaler and what I was going to do is I was just going to find the properties and sell it to this guy. And he said he would buy it. So for me, I was like, great. So I went out, I found a home. He told me, put in a cash offer because if there's conditions, you're not going to get it, whatever. So I put in a cash offer. Then I gave him the offer, like I assigned it to him or tried to anyways, and he was gone. He totally ran away. <laughs> so it actually, like I knew I wanted to invest in real estate, but that forced Poor me shit. to do it. Gotcha. And it was a crappy property. Like it needed everything. But I'm so thankful because I learned all my mistakes and everything were on that house. Awesome. And awesome. we renovated, we had to do everything mm -hmm. on it. Like roof, we had one of those octopus furnace things. Oh. Yeah. Knob and tube wiring, kitchen, bathroom. So I was forced into it. So for me, I didn't have that problem. But after going through everything, I realized there was nothing to be fearful of. Yeah. And that's why there's the old saying, right? When you burn the ships or... Yeah where there's no turning back, you put your back against the wall. That's when people are typically most successful, I find, is because yep. you have no other choice. And that's why I quit my, like I was doing real estate for about six months yep. and I ended up quitting relatively way quicker than I thought. I thought I was going to be at my job for five more years. And I say, you know what? It's time to burn the ships. I'm going to put my back against the wall. And that's when you work the hardest. That's when you figure things out the most. That's when you absolutely. have to start making moves because you have no choice. So yeah, it's a blessing. No, sometimes. absolutely. Yeah. And to touch on the other fears, I think a lot of people, like it's fully self-imagined. It's not even a real fear because when you learn and you like you get a property manager, then you don't have those bad tenants. When you run the numbers, you don't need to make a thousand, two thousand a month profit. But even if you make a couple hundred off the cash flow, you're good. So I agree with you. I think fears, a lot of people, even today, with what's going on in the world, there's a lot of fear out there. The only way to get over the fear is by doing it. And like yep. you said, as I was afraid on my first buy, my first couple buys, but then you realize, like you said, oh man, there are actually good tenants out here. Oh man, I just buy a good property. I'm going to get good people. If I buy a good location, 
okay, I know the city pretty well. I can do this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden after property two or three, my fear is gone. I don't have any fear anymore yeah. because I know what I'm doing. But the only reason I got over that fear is because I did it despite the fear. Yep. And then you'll get over it. But the fear will probably be there for most people to start. And that's yeah. fine. And what I tell people too, is it's all in your team. So they could call up any real estate agent, or they could call someone that specializes in working with investors like yourself. So when you work with someone who's strong that understands real estate, you can throw those fears out the window because yeah. you're going to help. I'm sure you help guide your clients and show them what's right and what to do. And hundred percent, nobody's going to know the market. The average person is not going to know the market better than me. They're not going to yeah. know the uh, This is what I do every day. Basically. Yeah. If you, that's a good point. If you work with somebody that's not an investor agent, they, there's a risk that they're going to put you in something that's not right. It's, yeah. it's not cash flow positive or it's not the right location to get good tenants. Yep. They haven't been through enough investment experience to guide you properly. So really good yep. point. Yep. No, I agree. So we have to take a quick pause here, but as soon as we come back, I want to go into some issues that I've experienced and you've experienced with investors with buying properties and how they overcame them. And we'll go from yeah, there. Looking forward to it. All right. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back. So over the quick pause there, Scott and I were talking and uh, he had a really great story. So one of his clients went to a real estate agent to buy an investment property and it was a terrible scenario and then they met you. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, it comes down to, again, working with an agent that doesn't specialize in investment properties. They haven't seen enough bad stuff to know what to avoid. So yep. essentially my client, my now client ended up buying a duplex with a third illegal basement apartment. Okay. In what I would classify as a D minus West Windsor location close to a strip club. And the big thing with real estate people have to understand is that if you're going to make a lot of money in real estate, it's going to be over a long period of time. A property will generate you a lot of wealth, but you have to hold it. You have to hold that asset. Yep. So what happens when you buy a crappy property is you don't want to hold it because you're having too many headaches and you end up selling the asset and not partaking in the long-term gains. Sure as day, he, he somehow got a hold of me. I don't know if he followed me somewhere or whatever, told me his story and ended up basically working with me to sell the property, to sell the yes. asset. And he maybe made a, a little bit of money, but five, 10 grand or something like that. Cause it's hard to lose money in real estate. Even when you buy wrong, it's really hard to lose, honestly. So he ended up making a little bit of money, but now that asset is nowhere to be found. He's back at square one with zero assets. Yeah. Right? Anyways, the agent put him in a bad situation and I don't even blame the agent. I honestly, I just think the agent didn't know any better. He didn't know what kind of tenants that property would attract. And they were social assistance tenants, low income, headache after headache, misread payments, et cetera. Yeah. No. And I fully agree. It probably wasn't the agent's fault. It's just lack of knowledge. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Just like with lenders, right? If the client goes to one specific lender, you don't know if they're brand new, if they work with investors, because every lender will say, oh yeah, we do rental properties. I've seen uh -huh. a lot of my clients go to inexperienced mortgage lenders or banks, like the 21-year-old kid that just started as a mortgage lender at one of the big banks. They don't have the psychology to guide you property. They don't know. Yep. It's not their fault. Yep. They're not investors. They don't understand the game. And they're going to end up hindering your future growth because they're not going to put you in the right product. They're going to yep. put you in a fixed five-year fixed mortgage yep. when really you want to refinance that property next year. There's a lot of things that are going to limit your growth. And the biggest thing, Scott, in my opinion, is they're not going to help you psychologically. Sure. They're not going to give you the right advice and say, yeah, do this and this and we can help grow your portfolio. They're going to, they don't understand enough to, my biggest job is not 
necessarily finding somebody a good property. That's a big part of it, but it's really the psychology. I've seen the barriers over and over again, and I know how to break them down because I've done it for myself. Yep. No, I I fully agree. And just to touch on that, there is a specific order of lenders that clients should apply for, just to give you an example and touch on that. So I'm just going to make up one right now. Well, not even make it up, but I'm not going to say the lender, but just the scenario. So there's one bank who will do five properties and that's it. It doesn't matter if those properties are mortgaged with this lender or not. They'll do five. There's another bank who will do five on top of whatever you own. So people don't know that. So if you go to that second bank first, because they only do five in total, you just threw out five properties that you could have purchased. That's a great point. So yeah, instead of going to 10 very easily, you've limited yourself to five with a big A lender bank at great rates. So you've not gotten, and I was aware of that. So I would tell my clients the same thing. Yeah, but another investor agent or another mortgage broker would not guide them properly or put them in those. Uh, yeah, and people. unless their focus yeah. is real estate investing, yeah, and growing your portfolio past yeah. one or two piece. Exactly. Yeah, and this is the yeah. psychology of the investment game. I yeah. understand that it's not about one property, it's not about two, it's about 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 a lot of times yeah. for a lot of people. No, it's true. And so one of the biggest issues that I found with clients that go out with a realtor, and you actually did touch on it in your example. So I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit, but it really is an agent that doesn't understand investing will sell any property where an investor focused agent will focus on the location of that property. What's going on? Is there a school nearby? Do the tenants have kids? Like those things are well, What important. are the top three rules of real estate location and the number of people and agents that I see violate this rule? because the ROI seems higher on paper or yeah. because the property is cheap it is astounding to me. Basically, I'll tell my clients straight up, if you, like, I'm not going to let you buy a bad location. If you want to buy those types of properties, go work with somebody else. Yeah. It's just not my game. It's just not my game. Now, that being said, I'm smart enough to spot the next up and coming neighborhood yeah. or that neighborhood that's about to turn. But the, those really crappy neighborhoods that I know you're going to have headache. You're not going to blame me for that. Like no, a year exactly. down the road. And for those people that live in the West End as well, I do want to say the West End's not a bad area, but 100%. for your client right next there, to your club. Plenty that's, of, yeah. yeah. And I'm speaking from an investor uh, angle. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of student rentals around there. So if you're looking to attract a nice family, don't buy in the student rental area. Right? Yeah. So there's a lot of different, or also don't buy next to a strip club as an investment property. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not blanketing the whole West End. Unless you're a pimp. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the whole West End is it not by any means bad. I more mean like the student rental area than certain pockets. There's bad yeah. pockets everywhere, by the way. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's great. So on your end, so you're going out with a client, what are some issues that you see from maybe financing or anything in general? The It comes down to psychology again. A lot of people start with this mindset of I, I've got a, they're trying to plan for their 10th property before okay. they bought one. Yep. And when you have a goal that's too big for you to digest, a lot of people end up stuck, right? Oh, I can't buy this duplex because it's going to take all my money and I'm not going to be able to buy my second property. Yep. And I'm like, no, oh, don't worry about that. Buy your first. And they also have this belief that they can only get five properties or two or three properties. Yep. So they don't have the, I've talked to you plenty of times. I know there's yeah. ways to get 10, 15, 20 properties with working with somebody like yourself. Absolutely. And there's three sort of separate types of lenders and what they'll use for rental income. So for an example, let's say you buy a house and it's, you can rent it for 2000 a month. Most of the big banks and big lenders will only use half of that rent. So they'll use 1000 to help you to qualify. But then we've got other lenders with comparable rates. So it's not like you're paying a premium. So comparable rates 
and they're going to use between 80 to 100% of the rental income. Such a big difference. So right there, your client can qualify for more, which is great. Because that, that's going to, your debt service coverage ratio and everything else is going to keep your ratios in balance when yes. you have that high income. And because yeah. Windsor is an affordable city, your rent is high relative to the purchase price. So that will yeah. allow you to scale totally. way easier, especially if you're yeah. just working an average job or you don't have a ton of money yeah. to start out with. The one other cool thing, and I don't want this to be too much about us, but the, the one other cool thing that we try to do is a lot of lenders out there, when they're capped out or having financing issue with the A lenders, they'll go to a B lender or a private lender. Mm -hmm. And we do have those options, but we try to skip that because we have a commercial department. And for investors, commercial is similar rates as residential. And you don't have all those expensive interest rates and bad terms and stuff. So we shift them to commercial instead of B lending and private. And it's so much better. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. People, there's a lot of people out there that don't have a ton of financial capacity to start. And yep. talking to somebody like Scott, you're going to scale your portfolio double or triple yep. with this type of advice yep. than you would working with the wrong people. Like It's yep. very simple. That's great. That's a great program. I'd like to hear more about that, actually. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely show you more for sure. Now, because we don't have too much time left, but if you would say like you had one really good piece of advice for investors, and I know we've spoken a, a lot here, especially mindset, because I do think mindset's one of the biggest things, but is there a tip or strategy that you would give that's quite universal, that's really good? Yeah, it's very simple for me. There's basically three rules that I operate under. Number one is location. Gotta yep. be a good location. Doesn't have to be the best, but it just has to be good, better than average, yep. even slightly. Good location, good property, which means the property is going to attract good people. Yep. It's not going to be a money pit. It doesn't have a foundation crumbling. Or if it does, you're aware of it and you get a discount yep. and you're going to fix it. So good property, good location, and then cash flow positive. Right. If you can find those three, like it's a bind yep. anywhere on the scale. So don't overthink it. You don't need to learn more. You don't need to know more. You don't need to yep. read any more books. I have a few clients right now that are just they're stuck in learn mode. Yep. Good property, good location, cash flow positive. Go, yep. go make a move. First. Yep. And, and then build your right, build the right team. That's right. Because for an example, say there is a property and it needs work and it's not cash flow positive. You can build in renovations into your mortgage yes. by it's working with the right team. You'll learn that. And then so you can take a property that could be at a loss, improve it with the bank's money, not even your own money. And then your cash flow positive. Love it. Do you now for that, do you have to front the money up front for the renovations or do you, can you get there, it funded? There's a lot of lenders that you do have to. Now for doing a progress draw, that one, we can fund it in stages. Interesting. So you do, I'm making an example here, but say you did the bathroom and it cost you five grand. They'll give you the money for the bathroom. Then you do the kitchen. They give you the money for the kitchen. So they can do it in stages. This is huge for people yeah. with limited capital yeah. that wouldn't have the capital to buy a property and fund a renovation. That's right. They only have enough to maybe buy the property and 10 grand extra or something. Yeah. I see it all the time, by the way. So that's a great program. And this is the type of advice that will take you from zero to a hundred way quicker. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I really appreciate your time today, yeah, Scott. Thanks, it was Scott. a great chat and appreciate I look forward to having you on next awesome. time. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. Take care. If you're serious about real estate investing and you want to take it to the next level with the least amount of time and mistakes, then you're going to want to sign up for our real estate investor hub. Visit CanadianRealEstateNetwork.com and hit the blue button or banner that says free investor resources. Inside, you'll have access to real estate investing courses, networking opportunities, webinars featuring industry professionals, as well as dedicated chat channels to share and get access to unique properties. I look forward to seeing you there.